I hated who I was as an individual. There was a point where I was consuming that many drugs and I was like, if I don't wake up, I could not give two shits. Lachlan Stewart is the founder of the Man That Can Project. He's an internationally renowned men's performance coach for high achievers and is also a podcast host. You've just finished 30 rowing marathons in 30 days. Why the fuck could you do something like that now? The Man That Can Project is a company leading through action, inspiring through vulnerability, and empowering through authenticity who are empowering men to take ownership of their lives and be their authentic selves through their global strong men of value online community. I'm going to maximize every fucking minute of it. I can't sit still and people say that's a bad thing. I'm like, well, if it doesn't feel bad to me, why is it a bad thing? Drug use and high alcohol consumption left him at rock bottom. A stroke of luck left him with an opportunity to take ownership of his life and he soon discovered the importance of building a strong mind and body to live a fulfilled life. This podcast is here to offer you the tools and strategies that you need to level up your life as a man in today's world. Blackie, my man, absolute privilege to have you here today. How are you? Gavin, I'm going extremely well, mate. I, as I just missed out on showing you the fireworks here in Brizzy. Um, that would have been a really, I guess, exciting and romantic way to kick off this podcast. <laughs> was that, was, were, they, were they dedicated towards you, were they? Oh, I, I, I'm assuming so. I'm going to just yeah. make the story in my head that my wife put that on because she's overseas at the moment. <laughs> Deadly. Or is it a, some sort of celebration after your absolutely epic event, en- enduring event over the last 30 days and more? Uh, with the you've just finished 30 rowing marathons in 30 days yeah 30 30 done so i think that's definitely what the uh fireworks are for why the fuck could you do something like that now <laughs> <laughs> mate I, the most asked question i've had this month and there was two, i guess two reasons i guess the, the most selfish answer was one originally i just wanted to find a way to challenge myself i you know i've always been competitive Mm-hmm. throughout sport and then i've stopped doing crossfit which was i guess my last outlet so i was like what else can i can i do to challenge myself and i didn't want to wait for a spartan race or something to pop up so i was like marathon seemed fun let's do that um and let's do it on the roller because i really dislike the roller then I, from that it sort of snowballed into this could be something that really inspires our community uh to do something today that's going to better them for tomorrow you know it, we had close to what would we have 43 or 45 men or and women row their first marathon and then we had countless other people just jump onto a 5k 10k 15 all of that sort of stuff and the community really got behind it and i know through the the process of pushing themselves people are going oh my god i just rode 90 minutes i'm gonna try and row another 10 and or i'm you know i did my first marathon and it's like everyone's energy is just lifted now and i know through that they're going to feel more confident and when they i guess find adversity or challenges in other areas of their life they're gonna go well fuck i've rode a marathon that's all good let's do it and i think people were like well if Lockie's around 30 i can do one that's fine yeah well was there was there like a, a specific underlying underlying drive there behind the reason to do that that you've been able to identify no i you know we every year we do big events so i've done multiple 12-hour challenges and um 12-hour walks and runs and all this sort of stuff and we always do it for charity raising awareness you know for movember um lifeline all these um, mental health uh foundations that do incredible work and 
I just was like, well, I'm always doing that for that. But what we do, like our community is fucking amazing and we're literally changing men's lives. So I was like, well, that can be the backbone because people are going, where do I donate? I'm like, don't donate. Just talk about the man that can project. Just talk about what we're doing. Like it, it is, it should be recognized. But I, you know, once again, not taken away from charities and all that, we are going to continue doing work for the incredible, you know, raising awareness and funds for what they do. But it's also like, well, fuck, mm-hmm. let's do some stuff for, for the man, like for our community as well. Yeah, powerful, man. And one of the things you mentioned there was you chose the roar because you hate the roar. So yeah, it's about doing more of the things that you don't like doing. So you have a, a much better life or a happier life. Is that a firm belief that you hold? Definitely. Like even going in, so even the row, right? I, I learned this lesson about day six. I wanted to challenge myself, but I also subconsciously, without even realizing it till day six, wanted to be able to control everything. Like I thought, you know... I'm going to do the rower because I dislike it, but I'm going to have everything sorted, my sleep, my nutrition, da, 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 da. I'm going to be good to go. And then when, and I was like, the pains that I expected to get was like a bit of golfer's elbow pain in the elbows and maybe grip, like forearm stuff. Where I started hurting was not expected. And I was like, you know, I was having a bit of a tantrum. I was like, fuck this. Like, this is ridiculous. This shouldn't be happening. I don't think I'm going to get through it. And then it was maybe... A couple of hours after it, I was like, this is exactly what you wanted. Like you wanted to be put in this position where you get pushed to your limits. You find out how, how badly you want something again. And that was the moment where I was like, man, I came into this challenge feeling like I'd be able to deal with the elbow pain, the wrist pain. And then when stuff came up that I didn't think it would, I was like, this is not comfortable for me, but it's, you know, learning to manage through that. And I think that I'm so grateful that happened because yeah, I, I, once again, I thought I was challenging myself, but I thought I was still in control of it subconsciously. Great analogy for life, isn't it? Oh, massively, man. Massively. Like we, we are all striving for things and we plan it out. We have the best support networks around us and then boom, COVID happened. <laughs> but things like COVID happen all the time. And it's about how we can respond to that and move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I think by putting yourself in situations where you actually can tap out if you need to, for example, I could have got off the rower um, it still enables you to start learning those lessons. You may not, you know, you may, I could, even, even if I finished on day seven, I still would have learned that lesson. I learned a heap more by persevering for the 30, but I learned that, right? And while the rows don't change my life, they don't, you know, they're part of my experience now. Like that, that's ultimately what it is. It taught me a lot of lessons though that I can now use moving forward. But, you know, if things do pop up that I can't tap out of, you know, there could be, I don't know what adversity is coming next for me. There will be something. And unfortunately, unfortunately, there's things that you can't, you know, you can't just go, I don't feel like growing today. It's like, it's a real life pressing issue that you got to, you got to step up to. So I think for everyone out there, a really powerful thing is find ways to challenge yourself. And the more you do that, the more you're going to, I guess, increase your threshold to deal with adversity and you're going to understand your mind. You're going to understand, you know, for me, it was like really understanding the power of asking for help. I've been so proud to build my company and and do a lot of things in my life without asking for help. I was like, this is the right thing to do. I don't want to ask for help from anyone. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say I've done it with my own two hands. And throughout this role, I was like, man, you're such a pig headed dude. Like you could have helped so many more people. You could have helped yourself more if you just dropped the ego and said, man, I need help here. And I, or when people offer to help me go, yeah, I I would love that help. Like Mm -hmm. if you can, but for a while I've had too much pride, I guess. So I, that was a huge lesson for me uh, just from the last 30 days, which I know is going to help me um, as I go through new phases of my life. It's going to help me with my business, with training and, and so many other things. So I wouldn't have got that if I didn't just go, hey, let's do this, this 
yeah. crazy challenge. As you as you reflect back on those 30 days on the row machine, what are some of the highlights that you hold on to? One of them would definitely be how many men approached me that hadn't in the past. I feel, especially, if, I guess, my environment, sport's a massive thing here in, in Australia, and especially, I guess, in my upbringing, upbringing, sorry. So when you've got something that's athletic or, or sporty, people go, oh, talk to me about the run, why are you doing that? And then it starts the conversations that they really want to be having. And I think for a lot of those men, they didn't really know how to approach me or approach what we do and find out a little bit more without, I guess, being scared of where it could have gone in, in regards to like, you know, people have a stigma around men's work. And while we sort of focus more on performance, there's still that stigma for a lot of men. They're like, oh, it looks awesome. And it looks like it could help, but I can't go near that. But like, I don't want to don't want to answer certain questions or whatever. So it was a really awesome for that and it really showed me as well how many people out there are just craving a challenge like really wanting to shake up their life a little bit and yeah for me it really showed me how important I as I said that prepping your mind so for me I was very fortunate I timed this deliberately with it when my wife was going to be away so I knew that I could really prioritize sleep I was going to bed at seven o'clock which is ludicrous but it's even like the time leading up to going to bed I was like okay I know I need to go to bed right on seven to get the right amount of sleep so I was making sure I was hydrated well, magnesium, having magnesium baths, like my whole, everything that I did over the last 30 days was extremely intentional, extremely intense. And like for a lot of people, it'd be boring. I you know, didn't even do much. Of, I, I love reading. So, but it was always get up, eat, work till about 11. Then I'd start my whole process of getting ready to row. So um, stretching, getting my head right. Cause some days, you know, I was aching and I was mentally fatigued. So I was doing whatever I could to, get in the right headspace, then I'd do the row and I'd make sure that I'd communicate well with those who were jumping in for the day. Some days I wasn't up for a chat. So I was, had to be honest because rather than getting frustrated and trying to hold a conversation, I learned after a couple of days that fuck, some days I can't hold, hold space. I can't hold conversations. I just got to be honest with this person. Look, I'm really fatigued today. I'm super stoked that you're rowing with me and this is going to be an exciting you know, experience for you having a breakthrough, but I'm, I'm struggling at the moment. So I just need to really be in my own head uh, to, for me to get through this, um, for this row. So I learned all these small things and they were cool realizations because I think for me as a, I guess, as a, I see myself as a leader and also, I guess, someone who carries a lot of pride, it really helped start starting to peel a lot of layers back for me of stuff that maybe I do need to start working on to, you know, help me, help me moving forward as I go through to, you know, new phases in my life, which I'm excited for. So, mm. yeah. You were very honest with your approach there, weren't you? In terms of people are showing up, want to roll with you, maybe want to shoot the breeze with you and have a conversation, but you're like, you know, you know what? This is not happening today. And I think that's something that a lot of men struggle with, isn't it? In terms of just speaking their mind and expressing their difficulties or struggles and saying, you know what? Uh, uh, not today. I've got to do something else today. I've got to be with myself. I've got to be in my own space. Can you just yeah. for for a period of time and I'll get back to you? And a lot of men struggle to do that. Definitely. Yeah. I, it took me a couple of days to realize that. Cause I did, uh, you know, I thought I, because I was one doing it and people were joining to support me. I was like, well, I want to support them and make them have an enjoyable experience. So, but then there's, you know, that happens. In, I guess a, a transferable experience for that could be, you know, if you're wanting to get yourself off alcohol for a bit, cause you know, maybe you have an issue with it or you're just working towards a health or, or some sort of goal. And you then catch up with some mates who are like, come on, mate, just one beer. I'm like, oh, I don't want to let the boys down. I'll, I'll have one. And 
deep down inside you're like, I don't want to do it. You know, this is not what I'm wanting. I'm working towards at the moment. I really want to just focus on myself, but you do it anyway. And I did do that for a couple of the rows and I've done that previously with beers and stuff, but because I sort of realized in order for me to get the outcome that I wanted, I had to step up and I had to have these conversations as much as I didn't want to. I felt like I was letting them down. Um, I was like, well, if I let them down, ultimately in the long run, I'm going to let myself down because I'm not going to hit the 30 rows. I'm going to, you know, mentally tap out or physically tap out. And I needed to you know, really prioritize the end goal there. You needed to be more selfish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah, for sure. But by being more selfish not in, in those situations, you become more selfless in the long term, you know, because you're doing it for yourself, you're providing for yourself, you're staying off the drink for yourself to improve yourself. So this improves your, your mindset, your body, your health, your life, and this transfers on to improving others and improving their life. So, you know, that there is a, of course, selfishness gets a bad rap. And I think it's something that's been certainly in Ireland here anyway, and in my upbringing, it's something that's been ingrained as something pretty bad and toxic, but there is a, a level of importance there as well in order to be more selfless as a, as a human, as a man. Definitely. Why do you, why do you think we do have a bad rap around it? <laughs> I think it, a lot of this of course comes down to uh childhood conditioning but for me i can only speak about my own experience of course but i come from a small town small village and there's this sort of expectation that everyone needs to look out for everyone else and if someone on the road is struggling you've got to park your own needs your own wants in order to provide for them or even if your mom is struggling or your father's struggling or whatever else you've got to park whatever needs or expectations you have for yourself in order to meet their expectations or to help them out so I think uh, a lot of men simply don't value themselves, their time, their energy, their presence. And, you know, if this is something that's been consistent, especially in my life, consistency in, in my life in terms of no, Gavin, you can't do this. You've got to come and my, my parents had a, had a business. They've got to come and you've got to work tonight or you've got to work tomorrow. And this is a family business. We're all involved and I didn't want to be involved, but at the same time, I didn't express those concerns or anger because I felt it was wrong to do so. I felt it was wrong to be selfish. I felt it was wrong to express my own needs, my own wants. And there's sort of a, a guilt trap, perhaps a lot of men fall into. So, and of course, this transfers into future relationships and future business and into adulthood until one day you wake up going, fuck, who am I? What am I doing? Yeah. What have I ever done for myself? So, yeah, that's been, personally, that's been a, a, a massive uh, transition in my life just to become aware of that and to make more room to be more selfish so I can be more selfless for others. So, of course, like yourself, I'm sure I make time for myself every single day and it's just me. It's me and my journal, my coffee in the morning. It's me in the gym. This is my time. I will speak to the rest of you later on. I've got to say that first. So it's been, I think, one of the, recent guests I had on was John Somez and Bulldog Mindset. He said, you've got to be a, a selfish servant. So yeah, you've got to, again, I think it's what he means is you've got to be selfless for yourself first. So you can be selfish for yourself first. So you can be selfless for others. So what's your interpretation of that? I th I really loved how you summarized, summed it up. I, I definitely couldn't agree more. It's, I think because a lot of us are compassionate and empathetic by nature and we're definitely told to look outwards. Yeah. That's, that's what we do. You know, we, we care about people. We've grown up in tribes. We've grown up in communities and 
if you do see someone upset or not going well, it's like, well, I need to help them get their stuff together. But we also know we can't do things for people. So there's like this contradiction. And that's why I think what you said is we do need to be selfish because we need to learn how to work through these things by ourselves. We need to learn how to communicate whether we're, you know, actually open for, for feedback or, or support, or we just want someone to sit with us or whatever that may look like. So, and for me personally, as you said, I, I sit there with my journal and I know a lot of men go, oh, what's this, you know, I had this stigma around like, oh dear diary, I'm going to, whatever I'm writing in there. But it's like, for me, I write at 6.04 or 4.30 or whatever time I get up and just write, I can see what comes up and what I'll always see is like there's something on my mind or something that I'm thinking about. And I go, okay, well, if I had to, to talk to someone about this, how would I articulate this best? How would I ask for help? How would I, you know, how would I uh, be succinct with what I'm trying to say? And I'm always trying to reformulate what I think because I haven't, I didn't grow up learning to communicate well. I know I studied English, but I still sucked at communication. I didn't know how to put what I was feeling into words. So rather than using that as an excuse, I fucking learned mm-hmm. and, and journaling was good for that. And that's me being selfish because while people are, you know, getting straight up, hitting the alarm, uh, hidden snooze or grabbing breakfast and going straight to work, I'm giving myself that extra 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning to go, look, what do I need? What, do I, what am I curious about? What would I like to learn? What do I need to get off, off my plate so that when I walk out the door or when I, my wife wakes up, I'm you know, going to be the, that best version of myself this morning mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah definitely sort of rippling off what you said rolling off what you said yeah i know that that's something you've spoken about before in terms of being a poor communicator and you somewhat lost your voice there for a period of time didn't you not literally yeah. but you didn't speak for a long time because of the certain stigma around your your voice or certain experience High voice being bullied yeah and how that had an impact on you and perhaps led you to lose your way in some way in life because you felt like your voice didn't matter maybe, or of course, a lot of stigma around it. I just, I don't even think I found my, found my voice. And I think a lot of people never find their voice or, or who they really are. Cause you think about this, right? When we're, when we're young, a ch- child's mind is just like anything's possible. Like you watch children and they're just, there's no, nothing holding them back. They can be whatever they want to be. And we've all, we've all been that person at some stage. And then life starts to happen. We start getting external influences where people say, no, don't do that. And for no other reason than just trying to keep you safe, right? Or, but then there's other people who are just complete pricks and do start shutting you down. Like what happened with me having a high voice before my balls had even dropped. And so all of this stuff start, actually starts impacting us and we go, all right, well, such and such, or mum said I couldn't do this. And once again, that's out of just trying to keep me safe. Jenny said this, John said this, like, all right, I'm going to stop doing these things. And what happens when we stop doing things, we stop growing, right? And there's so many of us out there who are feeling lost and confused. And I felt lost and confused for a long time, but I didn't know what to do because I'd been told I couldn't do so many things. And I'd started to believe that. So in order for me to start going, okay, well, how can I find myself? I had to start, you know, peeling off those layers of uh, limiting beliefs or, the idea or adopted beliefs that people told me I couldn't do things or I wasn't capable of doing things and go, well, when did that ever become true? I just never learned that skill. You know, the only thing that I was really believed in myself with was sport. And that's because I'd always done well with that. And everyone told me that. And the results also showed me that. 
but everything else, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm not uh, very study smart. I'm not going to be an academic. I'm, university is not for me. I'll never be a businessman. All of these sorts of things. But that's because people just said, all you are is an athlete. That's it. I never had had that other stuff around me. So I didn't get to build that belief. But you know, when you start realizing that if we go back to our childlike ways, you can beat or have anything. The challenge for us is the fact that we just need to decide who we want to be, right? People go, I don't know who I am. Well, okay, well, who would you like to be? How would you like to be? What would you like to have for yourself in you know, five, 10? And people go, I can't think that far ahead. Well, if you don't start thinking and making some decisions, you're going to get to 80 and go, fuck, I wasted my time here. You know what I mean? Like for me, all I ever wanted to you know, moving back from France where I was playing footy, I came back in here and I had no idea what I was going to do. I was extremely lost, went through a bit of crap. And then it was like, well, I feel like I'm better than this. And I have proved it at you know, other times in my life that I could, could do some pretty cool stuff. So I made the decision that I just wanted to have enough money. You know, I had no money. And so the goal for me, I ended up in network marketing. I don't know if it's a big thing over in the UK or in Ireland, but that for me was like, the greatest opportunity ever because I was around really ambitious people and they believed in me so much and they told me I could do anything. And that was like, this is different. This feels really nice. And so I started trying new things. I started putting myself out there. I started learning new skills. And in that process, I was like, Oh my God, I can actually, I can actually enjoy reading. I can, I can sell stuff. I can people, people, you know, follow me like are influenced by me. Like that just opened up the world for me. And here I am now going, fuck, all of us can literally be, do, or have whatever we want if we can, one, rewire our conditioning, how we think and our, our beliefs, and if we're prepared to learn the skills. You know, I, I set a goal in 2014 to make a million bucks um, by the end of, uh, end of that year in 12 months. Didn't happen. No, not even close. But I was like, well, I've learned a lot. And that was also a big learning to go, hey, you can't just go from where I was, where I was earning <laughs> was earning like $600 a week or something to earning, you know, a million dollars is like 20 something thousand dollars a week. You're not just going to do that overnight. There's a lot of stuff you need to learn. And I'm still learning, you know, I'm do, I've got vocal coaching at the moment, all these things that are helping me get better at my craft that I have to invest money in. I have to invest time in. And every time I, you know, go to, I guess, invest in myself again, there's always that resistance. Do I really need this? Can I, um, can I do this? Is this going to add value to my life? Am I just being, a pretender, all of this doubt goes to myself, but I'm like, look, I have an idea of where I want to be and who I am as a man. And I have to keep going because if I don't do it, who's going to do it for me? No one. And that's, that's just been the path ever since. And it was, you know, the, I guess three things that really stood out to me was one was being around ambitious people, like people who just, there's a lot of people who still try to shoot me down. And I'm sure you get the same Gavin as well. You know, when I started my podcast, exact same thing, people, no one wants to listen to you you've got nothing valuable to say. It's like, okay, well, I wasn't doing it for anyone else, but for me to learn to speak better. So I don't give a, give a crap. Secondly, like being able to be in a space where you can take risks without too much consequence. You know, I was in an environment where I wasn't, I didn't have much, you know, I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a family. It was just, you know, me at 23 and I didn't have much to lose. So that's often, you know, people go, I have nothing say okay well that's the best place to start because you don't have much to lose like go for it take risks and then the ability to go okay well anything's possible to learn and you think about the fact that you're in ireland right now i'm in australia and we're having this incredible conversation right so much at our fingertips right now Mm -hmm. literally so much at our fingertips the 
one thing holding us back is our inability to be resourceful or I could say two things to be resourceful and utilize things that are around us. And those, those preconditioned beliefs about ourselves. everyone who listens to this can be, do or have whatever they want. It's just, are they prepared to believe that about themselves? Yeah. There's a longing to, to fit in with the narrative, isn't it? Fit in with the societal standards. And if you're trying to fit into something, it's almost like using the analogy of you're trying to fit into a box, you're boxed in. So as you said, if you're trying to fit in, you can't grow. You can't expand that space. And you've got to step out of that box or step over that line and explore life or the opportunities outside of it. So do you feel like like that obviously was most likely a big transition for you? Because I know that before you started to expand your development as a person, as a man in business, you were trying to fit in with uh, a certain group of men, let's call it. You started carpentry, I think it was, wasn't it? Or construction, yeah. something in yeah. that realm. And obviously you were trying to fit in with this sort of criteria criteria as to how to live your life. You were going out drinking, drugs, women, and also being celebrated for that. Because yeah. you were the man going out with a different woman every weekend, going out drinking with the boys, doing drugs, whatever. So at what point did you feel like, no, no, this, I don't want this anymore. Um, because it's and a very, it's a very addictive place to be in because you're being validated for your behaviors and your actions. There's no one sort of stepping in. There's rarely anyone stepping in saying, Hey man, you know what, what you're doing here right now is you're actually destroying your life and you need to make a change. I don't think you had that. I think there was some sort of inner intuition within yourself that influenced the change in your life or the, or the catalyst for change at least. So do you know what that was? Yeah, it was a feel. It's always been a feeling. And I guess I was too manly to believe in intuition or, or that gut feeling that people talk about. But every time I found myself in a situation I didn't want to be in, even if, you know, whether it was you know, cheating or, or being in a, in a punch up or, you know, taking, even, you know, I'd never enjoyed taking drugs. Um, whenever I found myself in those situations, I was doing it like looking back now, it's, I was doing it to feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. And that was the environment that I was around. As you, as you said, I was, we were definitely, uh, our culture celebrates that. And at that point, when you, when you, when you're in a position where you have no self-worth, right. You, I hated who I was as an individual. I, I was, there was a point where I was consuming that many, you know, drugs. And I was like, if I don't wake up, I could not give two shits. So I, I hated myself. And when you're in that position, you'll do whatever you can to feel valued or connected. That's why crime rates, um, all of this stuff that people just go, I can't believe he did that. It's like, well, I did what I had to do to feel valued at that point in my life. And I didn't, I didn't care what that value was, whether it was socially acceptable or not. I just wanted that feeling, right? We all crave feelings, right? We all have, want that sense of belonging. So it got to a point where I kept getting in trouble and I'm like reflecting on my life. I was thinking, well, I went to a really good school. I was a top athlete. Like what the fuck is going wrong here? Like I believed for a while, maybe that's all I am. And I was so, so lucky that a guy that I played rugby with gave me a book and the book was the four agreements. Right. And this book changed my life. A dead set changed my life. And I only read it because I respected who he was. He was from Bath originally and played professional footy and all that. And I was like, well, if this bloke's reading, maybe, maybe some buff heads like me can read. 
And when I got through that book, I was like, wow, like it changed a few things in my head. And I was like, I feel like a different person. I became so hungry to see what was next because, uh, you know, for the first time in my life, I was like, well, one, I've read a book. This is pretty bloody brilliant. Two, I feel different. I feel different to all the people that I'm hanging around, right? This, the, the perspective shift started happening. And I was like, this is, this is go time, man. Like I'm out of here. And I decided from that moment and I've, I, I can't pinpoint how long it was, but it feels like it happened overnight, like within a two-week two to one-month period that I was down here in Brisbane. You know, I used to live two hours west of Brisbane. I met my now wife and everything just fell into place because I was open to change. I was open to – and I was hungry for change. And I started um, reading more books. I started, you know, my goal here, obviously I fell into that whole network marketing thing as well, which I believe happened for a reason. It saved my fucking life Um, because then I was like, okay, well, I need to develop uh, a new environment. I need to hang around different people, more ambitious people. And as I started doing that, I was like, okay, I need to hang around millionaires. I need to speak on stages. I need to travel overseas for all this stuff. And I started ticking all these boxes, but what was actually happening was my growth. While I wasn't focused on the growth at that point, I was just like, I want to speak on stage. I want this. I want that. The growth is what helped me get there. And how do I not listen to my gut and just like, I feel like everyone knows when they're doing something that doesn't feel right for them, but I can completely empathize with why you're doing it because I did it for years and it wasn't until someone reached, and once again, this is why I'm so big on peer support. It's like someone gave me a lifeline like legitimately gave me a lifeline which was a book like in the weirdest form possible so that's why i think what you're doing gavin even with the podcast like you're literally changing people's lives by them listening to this and not even just this episode by you doing what you're doing there's people that you don't even know that are listening to this that it's giving them that one thing that goes fuck this i'm done with this this way of living i'm changing it and that's like the most incredible feeling because that's what it did for me and i know how many people moments like that happen for so you're literally putting your hand out to people and saying look man i'll walk with you i got this we got this Mm -hmm. is there anything you would have changed in that transition (sighs) would you have asked for help sooner would you have reached out more would you have read more books would you have definitely i you know whenever i ask people that question as well a common response is well if i didn't do that Oh, I wouldn't yeah. be where I am today. And I, I don't want to give that response because I don't like getting that response. I think there's definitely things I would change. And I, I feel saying if I could have read more, if I could have from a younger age had a more supportive network or access to people who were championed, I think we're going through this change in the world anyway. You know, we've got, there's a lot of big topics, Black Lives Matters, um, all the, the gender stuff. And, you know, there's so many things happening and I feel like it's, we're now creating this world where we do feel like we can be who we feel we are, whatever that is, as we're working it out. Like for me as a young country boy, it's like, you've got two options. You get a trade, go to, or three options, sorry. Get a trade, play professional footy or go to university. I didn't want to do a trade. I thought that was for dead shits. Didn't believe I was smart enough to um, go to university. So sport was it. And obviously, as you said earlier, you, you put yourself in this box, right? There's a, a footy player has its own stereotype, right? How they think, how they act and how they behave. That's what I started building my character. That's who Lockie was for a number of years. And then I was like, man, this doesn't, I don't feel right. This doesn't feel like who I am. Like, don't get me wrong. I love, I still love footy, but I just didn't like the fact that I had to be angry. I couldn't, 
you know, I had to, I, I couldn't express who I was. I couldn't communicate properly. I didn't ex- feel love. I didn't give love. Like I didn't, didn't like that. So I think when I realized that I could start building my own box, I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Mm. And now like I'm, I still have that, I guess, masculine sort of outlook where I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm fit, healthy, strong and love sports and do all that. But I also can be compassionate, empathetic and, and communicate really well and hold space well, which I think for me is like the, the greatest experience that I, that I can have. Yeah. That's a big struggle for men too, isn't it? To sort of get in touch with their more feminine energy of compassion and empathy and sympathy and consideration for others or even creativity. And something I struggle with for a long time, um, this thing of self-compassion that I only discovered about two years ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, this is me. <laughs> and, I, and I thought I had it at that point. I thought I was like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm in a good place now. And then someone mentioned, uh, it was actually a podcast guest it was the first guest I had on a podcast and she mentioned uh, the importance of self-compassion I'm like what the fuck is self-compassion it's the first I heard of this so I had to explore that and understanding that I was very very hard myself and wouldn't take any days off from work and always pushing always striving always dr- driving forward and again sort of perhaps isolate myself from other people too not asking for help allowing all these things to get in the way so that's been a, a big struggle in my own journey and it's it's something that I feel a lot of men also get trapped in and this of course breeds a life of loneliness and isolation which i'm sure you've experienced too definitely it's it's a tough road man like i feel like even though we're in completely different countries like we've all been raised very similar with that you know and it's no fault of the generations before us because they they sort of fit into what you know in what state the world was at that point like you had to be a bit hard and you had to you know it was a working class world back like and I'm not saying it's not now, but it's just different what that looks like. So we have a lot more freedoms and flexibility. I think I'm just so grateful we live in this time, right? And I think because we didn't have the self-awareness that we have, right? And a lot of people didn't back then. They even if they wanted change, even if they wanted to connect with their their families or whatever, they didn't know how. And I know there's so many people who would be listening to this or just every day that want more. They want to be able to communicate properly. They want to be able to hug their their partners or their children. But because for such a long time, that hasn't been a part of who they are, they don't know how to start. It's like, I still struggle with hugging my dad. Like I reckon I've hugged my dad four times, like legitimately. And one was when I won a grand final. One was when he tried to, um, you know, take his life. And then the other time was probably when my wife's hugged him. Like that's it. And I'm sitting here going, I do what I do. And I, I speak to him all the time and we still don't say love you. And I want to hug him, but I still don't. So that's something I still work on. Like I'm fucking struggling with. I, I, I know it. But whenever I go to do it, I'm like, why can't you just fucking do it, man? I don't know why. I, like, obviously, I know why, but I don't know what's stopping me, myself. It's, it's conditioning. It's, I feel it, yeah, man. It's, yeah. That's it's a, it's a struggle I have too, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Maybe because you didn't, um, and it sounds quite familiar with your own father like didn't show a lot of that love or consideration or caring or you know rarely hugged you as a child so you don't sort of yeah. you you have this sort of belief that he's not going to expect it from you because you didn't expect it from him or maybe you did expect yeah. it but you didn't receive it and there's a maybe there's a layer of anger or resentment there too I mean that's that's something I think a lot of men in this generation do struggle with is, is forgiving their fathers mm. It sounds like it's been a problem for you too. Definitely, mate. Definitely. I 
Uh, I'll probably go to bed thinking about that tonight. Um, it's um, yeah, we've all got stuff, to, and this is the thing, right? Like we've all got stuff to work on, and it doesn't stop. And like, you know, if we didn't have this conversation right now, like I'm going home to visit my parents tomorrow before I go um overseas, and it's like perfect timing to now have that in the forefront of my mind because like tomorrow could be the fucking day. Who know? Like that's awesome for me. I'm like this is this isn't awesome. Like couldn't come at a better time. Whereas I may have not thought about that and just gone through my normal motions and you don't know, like there's, I read a good um, short story 18 months ago called 18 summers. And this dad talks about, you know, how we're so busy pursuing our careers and trying to provide for our families that we don't, we're never present, right? We don't go home and spend time with our children because we're stressing about work or we're worried about going to bed on time. And we just always brush our children off or brush our partners off or brush our responsibilities off because, hey, I've had a big day at work. And around his daughter's seventh birthday, he started going, shit, she's growing up. And she's really starting to form a personality. And he was walking along the beach one day or something like that. I'm probably throwing my own little twist in this, but uh, he realized that he's only got 18 summers with his children. Like before they start going, dad, you're not that cool anymore. I've got my own life happening. And so when you, when you break it down like that, and I've done this with my wife, you know, spoken about kids and all that sort of jazz. And I'm like, just give me 104, 104 weekends. So two years, 104 weekends. I've got a bucket list of shit that I want to get done. Let me do it. And I think we, you know, you can put that into um, time back into like, you know, I don't know how often you see a family. I see my family maybe three times a year, my parents, you know, if they've got another 20 years left, 60 times, I'll probably see them. It's not many. So how do I want to show? And I think about this a lot. And it's like, okay, well, how do I want to show up when I'm when I'm with them? Like, I don't want to be on my phone. I'm guilty as all buggery for being on my phone and pretending I'm busy with emails and all all stuff that can wait. So if you knew you had sixty interactions, make them count. Make make all of that count. Yeah, it's the perspective shift that's required, isn't it? I mean, it's um, <clears throat> and I think a lot of us are, are kind of holding on to the past too. You know, this is the forgiveness part and blaming our parents for what they did or didn't do or for not showing up or for showing up too much or for being too controlling or whatever. But look, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, these people come from a very different generation and hardened individuals were taught not to show or express emotion, not to cry, start crying, oh, come on, man up, get back in the field there and get back to work. So it was wrong to, it was almost wrong to have emotions or feelings, not even express them. So how are they going to be able to um, teach you how to express your emotions or how are they going to be able to express their love or care or consideration towards you as a child? So there's some sadness there, but at the same time, there's a massive opportunity because you have this awareness now and you can take it with you and say, you know what, dad, I forgive you and I love you. And uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I know you've done it from the heart and you don't have to sort of go into detail in terms of, I know you, I know you didn't mean to hurt me or you didn't mean to do this or this. Yeah. It's like, that's all. But yeah, I, I understand the barrier. It's something that I also struggle with, with my father. And I think it's it's quite common for a lot of men out there. But it, it also, you carry a lot of pain with you as well as a, as a man from not being, able to, not being able to forgive your father. You know, there's a lot of anger, resentment that then can transfer into your own personal life and may influence your own uh, parent parenting or your your own uh, your own children so it's maybe something important to process right now lucky before you start having kids you know definitely mate definitely i'm 
thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely yeah. have to get to work on it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite powerful. And uh, I know you're a big fan of books because uh, for those who can't see the conversation, you've got a quite a quite an impressive uh, bookshelf behind you there. Some of them, I a lot of them, I recognise. Is there is there like a top three? list of books there that you'd recommend to uh, any man who's sort of struggling or trying to find his way at the moment in life? Yeah, for me, obviously, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence. I don't actually recommend that first book I read because I quite find it quite boring now, but mm. How to Win Friends, Influence People, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Atomic Habits uh, I just go to. I think, you know, there's so many great books and a lot of them, to be honest, so many books are saying the same thing just in their own in their own way and I think the most important thing for anyone is like when you find a book that you really resonate with, like these books here, even though I've got a double of that one, these are the ones that I read every year. Like there's just this mm-hmm. section here. Cause they're the ones that I'm like, boom, every time I, I read them, they're like the key points and across different areas of my life. They're what I want. Everything else is like, I understand it. I, like, I appreciate the story that goes with it, but this sort of summarizes it better for me to, to sort of understand and articulate and, um, I think we're very, very lucky now to be able to go, look, find people that you resonate with. Like same with the podcast, you know, find people that you resonate with and just don't feel like you need to keep looking. Like if you find someone that you resonate with, latch onto their information until you either one, feel like you outgrow it or um, feel like you've got what you need from it, then move on. But people are just constantly searching. They're like, someone else is going to give me this golden ticket. Just fucking keep like i don't even do half the shit that these books say i'm i forget life gets in the way so every time i reread them i'm like i can't believe i haven't done that yet i can't believe i've stopped doing that and that's why i reread them every year because it's like well there's so much value in it and i can't i shouldn't expect myself to implement it all after reading it once it's like i'll be reading that till i'm till i'm done yeah Yeah, there's a there's a information overload isn't it and become overwhelmed with mm. the paralysis by analysis or whatever it's called <clears throat> instead of just what i often recommend to the guys is like find one or max three good books a year and just keep read rereading that shit and like you've got the information what matters is implementing the information that you've read that's where the change and that's where the transition happens if you're just going around reading books all the time you're just absorbing information and you finish one book and it's like, oh, that's great. Finish that book. Now I get another book and it's just become sort of a egotistical thing to just be able to read 30 books a year. Well, what have you done with the information you received? Oh, uh, nothing. Still in the same place. Still stuck. <laughs> Still thinking about it. Yeah. So, and of course, I had an interesting conversation with uh, a fellow. Is he? No, he's 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 from New Zealand. Yeah, uh, Mike Campbell. Not too sure if you're familiar with him, but I know Mike Campbell. He's in uh, Brisbane here, though. He's yeah, he's moved to Australia. Yeah, so I had him on my podcast a couple of days ago, and um, we were speaking about the importance of men hitting rock bottom before they make a change. Is that is that something you'd share, or is it, or you, would you share that in that uh, that belief, or do you feel like it doesn't have to get to that point? Unfortunately, I think it does. I wish it didn't. I also think there's definitely the anomaly of people who are self-aware. You know, look at it like this, actually. I think if we start, you know, more people start listening to what you're saying, Gavin, or what I'm saying or what Mike's saying or anyone, I guess, who is starting to make people be aware that they can achieve more than they first thought. When you start 
been in environments where people that you know, right? Like it's very easy to watch people on Instagram or social media or read books of people that are like superstars and we go, oh, it's good for them, right? We make all this bullshit up around why we couldn't possibly do it. But when you, so actually good mate of mine. So we grew up in Toowoomba and he created a, a product called the ISO tip. I don't know if you've seen him. He's, he was featured on Joe Rogan, right? So I, I heard you talking about him on your stories yesterday. Yeah, mate, I was with him yesterday and I was just getting goosebumps because I was like, I'm so proud of you, man. Like we both went through the same stuff, like very similar stories. He's just blown up huge. And he didn't necessarily, like he had a bit of a rock bottom, but because he was around an environment of like people who were just wanting to be better, that stopped him having to hit that very rock bottom. So I believe at the moment people are hitting the rock bottoms, but they're the ones who go, fuck, I'm either going to sit here where I don't want to be or I'm going to change it. But the more people that start rising, I feel like others aren't going to have to hit the rock bottom. They're just going to build, you know, go off the back of that momentum. And that's what I, I truly hope is going to happen because they're going to see their mate Johnny go and change his life. And they're going to, fuck, he's no different to me. I was literally having a pint with him yesterday. I want to, I'm going to start listening to what he's saying. It's why so many of my mates from back where I grew up, after seven years, are starting to go, maybe the stuff that Lockie's talking about can help me. They haven't hit rock bottom. They've got very comfortable lives. But they're also like, well, I wouldn't mind having a little bit better relationship or earning a little bit more money or whatever it may look like. So yeah, I definitely, at this point, I think for a lot of people, rock bottom is where they have to hit until we hit that tipping point. And if that even is possible to happen, I don't, I don't know, but in my head, I'd like that could definitely create a new wave of change for people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Avoiding the comfort is something that seems to be a consistent pattern in your own life. I know you've got a, an extreme work ethic, be it with your business or be it with your training. Is that something you've had to, you've had to navigate through in order to establish some sort of balance between comfort and discomfort? Um, Do you struggle with being comfortable basically? Yeah. I don't like being comfortable. Like I'm never comfortable. Like even right now I'm going through a business merger um, to, to, I believe it's, you know, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. And I'm doing this while doing a whole heap of, you know, I'm leaving the country. I'm doing, there's so much happening, but it's for me, it's like, it's exciting because every day I'm challenged. Like how, how am I going to keep my fitness and training up while I'm, while I'm overseas? It's like, I don't just drop that habit. Like that's a part of who I am. Like I've made sure that we're near a running track so I can run, um, that we're near the, the nice supermarket. Like I try to always make sure that I'm doing the best that I can to maximize my time here because I've, I've, you know, I've had mates take their life by their own hands. I've had mates, you know, get into accidents and they're not here anymore. You know, we, I don't know when, you know, I could lose my legs tomorrow. So I'm going to maximize every fucking minute of it. I don't want to sit, like I can't sit still. And people say that's a bad thing. I'm like, well, if it doesn't feel bad to me, why is it a bad thing? It's, it's all, if you feel like it's bad for you, don't fucking do it. But for me, I'm not going to stop because I genu- I genuinely enjoy learning. I genuinely enjoy networking. I genuinely enjoy everything that I'm doing. I wouldn't do it otherwise. I'm not, no one's holding a gun to my head but I'm extremely curious and I'm extremely excited by how much I'm going to get out of myself and the impact that I can have because I spent the first fucking 25 of my year, uh, my life doing what other people told me I could do and living within this confined space where I was unhappy. I was lost. I was bored and I kept making stupid decisions. So like moving forward, I'm in control and I'm not, I'm not happy when I'm not moving forward. Well, I wouldn't say I'm not happy. 
I'm always like, I'm very, very content. I'm super grateful for everything that I've got, but it's like, what else am I going to get? You know, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better mate? How can I earn more to give more? How can I change other people's lives? That's, and that, you know, doesn't mean I'm always out there. It might mean I'm doing a lot of internal reflection because there's so many moments in my life that I haven't thought about yet. Mm-hmm. You know, as we brought one up just a moment ago, like I haven't thought about that for a while. I need to think about that. I need to fix that. That's going to improve my life, which is going to improve, um, you know, it could be game changer for my dad as well. So if I just sit down and fucking watch Netflix, and don't get me wrong, I do watch Netflix and I do do all that. But like, for me, it's just, I want to fix my shit. I don't want to be the effect of anything that I learned from a younger age. So going back to your question, yes, I struggled being comfortable because I've, you know, I've, I did that for long enough and that was when I was most unhappy. Mm-hmm. Does it uh, cause any resistance in, in the relationship with your wife? The, this, this sort of <laughs> intense drive that you, that you consistently have. It's funny until I became quote unquote successful, like what now people see is business success. Everyone was like, you're fucking mad. Like stop it. But now that I've created what I've created for myself and literally impacting thousands of people's lives and got credibility all around the place. Like people now go, I can understand and appreciate because you've delivered results. But for me, it's like, it doesn't matter because the outcome of what everyone sees isn't what got me there. It's the the stuff that I was doing to get there. It was the hunger. And like, bro, I see... I've had so many people, when I say so many, there's at least 10 people here in Brisbane who have tried to copy my business, right? And I see life coaches come and go all the time. And I think it's awesome because people are trying new things, but I feel why people don't stick around is because they aren't doing it for the right reasons. Mate, I could be doing business coaching really because I built a big business. I could teach people to build a life coaching business. I don't give a fuck about teaching people to build life coaching businesses. What I care about is men being better fucking dads, loving themselves, having the confidence to go after stuff. That's what drives me every single day. So there's so many other ways I could be making money and doing all that. But like I genuinely wake up so excited to do what I do. And the way that I keep getting better at what I do is by not getting comfortable. It's it's Amy accepts me for who I am. She knows I'm not going to stop because I don't do it for money anymore. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not drowning in debt anymore. It's like I genuinely do it because I've, and I've just been so fortunate to find what I love doing and all of the stuff that supports me to do that through growth, through networking, through taking time away by myself, doing all these things. is It's important for me as an individual and it makes me a better husband because if I'm not doing that, I'm going to be a cranky bastard. So everyone now, and yeah, there was resistance, but now people know that it's, and once again, I feel like the resistance came because people have seen me grow, right? Like I came from where I came from and people had an idea of who I was and how I was behaving. And maybe I wasn't as active or hungry as I now am. But now that people are getting comfortable with that, it's like, it is what it is. That's lucky. People don't come to me to party, Gavin. They don't go, let's, who can we go have beers at Lockie? No. People come to me when they want to get shit off their chest or I've got five, six close mates that we surf and we train and we do all that. But like, that's what I'm known for. And that's who I, that's what I genuinely love doing. Mm-hmm. You so your true identity. Yeah. Yeah. And I practice and preach that every day. And I think sitting on my ass being comfortable doesn't align with that. Yeah. And Amy, of course, has been very successful in her own career. So she gets it. Yeah, definitely. Mm. De- def- definitely. And 
I think, you know, as long as we still have those boundaries in place where we do prioritize time for each other and we're not on our phones and, you know, all of that sort of stuff's important daily and we definitely do do that. So I just, I think one thing I've gotten really good at is saying no to a lot of stuff that doesn't add value to my life anymore. And I'm very disciplined with, you know, if I have to be somewhere, it's like, I'm out of here. See ya, boom. And, you know, doing that for a reason without feeling like a bit of a prick. It's just like, well, if I'm, I'm going over on this or doing that, it's like, well, that could be time with Amy or that could be time doing this. And I don't get that time back. So I need to make sure that it's all been used to the, I guess, the best of that time's ability. Yeah. And it's in line with your values in life. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Brilliant, my man. Really enjoy this conversation. So um, thanks for, loads, so for facilitating it. Oh man, epic. And uh, loads of inspiration, loads of insights for the guys to to absorb and to hopefully implement after this episode. And <laughs> if they want to uh, learn more about you, follow your work, perhaps join one of your groups, where's the best place they can find you? Best place is just head over to the website, the man that can project.com. And my biggest thing is like, listen to the podcast first because uh, you know, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And I might, the most thing I'm protective about with our community is having like-minded individuals and not everyone's the same. So if I wouldn't have a beer with people, probably not going to be the right fit for you. Um, for for the, I, When I say have a beer, that's just the easiest phrase. Um, the right fit because we're a certain type and, that's uh that's how it rolls so if you like the way i talk and carry on then maybe it is if you don't know yeah go dramas yeah 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 go elsewhere it's uh and well done on the podcast as well you've got how many episodes are 400s dropping on uh monday which is good unreal man fair play yeah yeah i was uh i was but i was a bit late to the podcast game but i'm 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 catching up i'm nearly at well, I'll be close to 100 pretty soon. So, uh, mate, that's exciting. What are you going to do to celebrate the hundy? Uh, go work out maybe, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't drink any alcohol anymore either, so I might have a coffee and yeah. How, how long have you been off the booze for? Celebrating is something I, that I do struggle with. Um, I've been off the booze, I decided to stop drinking uh, at the end of last year. It just didn't, yep. wasn't serving my life anymore, and it's over the last number of years, I've just been drinking less and less. And I got to the point where I thought, what is the point of this anymore? And, uh, yeah. but then obviously to be the odd big drinking session mixed in there with uh, meeting up with friends or weddings or occasions. And then you feel like shit for a few days afterwards. And it just yeah. embedded the belief that yeah, this doesn't serve me or add value to my life anymore. So I'm, I'm going to park it. And it's, it's been great. I've been to several weddings already this year and, driving home the next day man clear head focused and yeah just it's 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 a game changer yeah for me that's awesome mate well done yeah do you have you stopped drinking or do you still have the old beer yeah i did uh five months off um this year and then so i did a few weddings as well not drinking it's, even the box parties man like mm-hmm. talk about pressure but i was like when you you're driving home the next day and everyone's absolutely cooked and you're like ah, i feel amazing yeah. but yeah now for me it's um you know, I might have a wine. I don't, yeah, I don't, I never, I haven't drunk much for the last eight years anyway. So I'll have like maybe one drink a month if that, and like, but don't get me wrong. Last year I had my wedding and bucks party. So I did have a few beverages there, but uh, similar to you, I just doesn't serve me well. It slows me down and I've got too much I want to be doing. Yeah. Well, keep getting after man. And again, I said, appreciate your time and energy on this episode and we shall be in touch.
thanks again man hey, thanks so much for having me bro yeah absolute privilege thank you for tuning in to another episode of the modern warrior podcast if this episode has added value to your life please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives for the time being stay strong and keep fighting the good fight